All right, good morning. Welcome to Rock Hills. We are so glad to have you guys here with us on this absolutely beautiful Sunday morning. It's awesome out there. Here's going to get chilly this week, so enjoy it today. Glad you guys are here with us today. Also, if you're watching online, we'd like to say hi to you as well. We're glad that you're watching along with us, and uh, it's an exciting day to be here. If you're here for the first time today, we want you to know that you are absolutely welcome in this place. We wholeheartedly believe that Rock Hills is a place where you can come just as you are, regardless of where you've been or what you've been through. We have a God who is reaching out to all of us right where we're at, and so we're glad that you're here today. If you come regularly, we're glad that you guys are here today as well. There are things in life, as we look at this new series, God Never Said That, there are things in life that we tend to believe about God, and sometimes they're based on just kind of a common summary of Scripture that we put into a colloquialism to just kind of sum, summarize it, you know, and make it easy to remember. And a lot of times they're, they're good-hearted. Sometimes they're just a total misinterpretation of what God really said, you know, that just came off a meme on, online or, you know, uh, a nice little uh, painting that you got at Hobby Lobby or something, and we put on our wall because it sounds really good, but it may not actually... Be true. So we're going to talk about some of these things in this series, some of these common misconceptions that we tend to believe or we know that have good intentions, but we tend to believe that these things are the truth about God himself when actually he never said that. And so today I'm going to ask you guys for a little crowd participation, all right? So for some of you that may be a little challenging because you like just to sit back and listen, I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation. If you're watching online, you can participate in your living room as well. But uh, there are things that are just, you know, kind of common, and we put these things into our lives, whether they're actually in the Bible or not. So let's just warm up here a little bit. If you guys could help me out with this one. Gillette, the best a man can get. See, you guys are good. That is actually not in the Bible. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that is not a scripture. Try this with me. Winner, winner, chicken. Also not in the Bible. Believe it or not. Go Spurs. Now, we can make an argument there. That probably should be in the Bible, but it is not in the Bible, and we're not supposed to add things, so we can't add it, but we can all believe in our hearts, right? That that's, God's probably cheering that one as well. But let's get on to, to some more serious ones. Uh, Stephen talked about this one last week. God helps those who help themselves. That's not actually a scripture. How about this one? Cleanliness is next to? You guys are good. Money is the root of all evil. All right? That's one that's kind of close to a scripture, but it's not actually what scripture says. It says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And just when you change the words just a little bit, it can take on an entirely different meaning. God will never give you more than you can handle. Very good. Be in the world, but not of the world. The Lord works in mysterious Very good. And how about this one? You're going through a hard time. A well-meaning person is going to tell you, don't worry, this too shall pass. All right, now some of you are sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I think some of those really are in the Bible, right? I mean, there's some of these things even years into ministry, I went, oh, wait a minute, I thought all along that was a scripture and it's not actually a scripture, right? So that's why we're doing this series, to talk about some of these things, because honestly, we enter dangerous territory 
When we begin to believe that God said something because somebody else tells us that's what he said or just because it's a common phrase, when actually God, the creator of the universe, the one that sustains our lives and gives us our every breath, he never said that, right? That can be a dangerous place to believe God said something that he never actually said. So today I want to look at one of these common misconceptions. It's more kind of a broad misconception than it is a phrase, but I think that we're all going to be able to identify with it. And even though it's kind of lighthearted, what we're going to look at today, it's really very serious because I think whether you've been walking with God for years and years and years, or whether you're still in a place where you're trying to figure out whether you believe or not, this common belief is something that works its way into all of our belief systems, especially if we live here in 2018 modern American culture, we find this belief working itself into so many things that we believe. And what we're going to look at today is this belief. God just wants you to be happy, right? I mean, at the end of the day, When it all comes down to it and what you're going through in your life, let me just encourage you, the Lord just wants you to be happy. When it comes down to it, when when it comes down to it, God really just wants you to enjoy your life. When good things happen in your life, that's because that's what God wants in your life. And if something hard happens in your life, well, surely that's not God because, right? He just wants those good things to happen in our life because when we get down to the bottom of it and our faith and our relationship with God, He just wants you to be happy, right? But I certainly don't believe it. I would have said the same thing. And as I began preparing this message, I think the Holy Spirit just convicted me over and over and over again that, Adam, you say you don't believe that, but really I'm a lot closer to this than I would like to admit. Here's the problem with this belief. It, it takes us down a, a rabbit hole of all sorts of problems that really twist up theology and don't actually describe the God that's in the Bible. There's a lot of things in there that are really kind of close, but it really begins to get off track if this is kind of what we base our relationship with God on. So a little crowd participation here. If you could help me out with this right here. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say with the air like, I don't care. Baby, by the way, because I'm, anybody? Happy. All right. We had some that got it. Clap along if you feel like a room without a roof, whatever that means, because I'm happy. Clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. And that's a fun song, probably really overused and out of date. But we kind of feel that way, right? Just happiness, that's, that's the truth. God just wants me to be happy. Here's the problem with the theology of happiness. Because if we believe that at the end of the day, God just wants us to be happy, here's where it leads us. God wants me to be happy, so whatever makes me happy must be right. God wants me to be happy, so whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. If I believe that at the end of the day, God just wants me happy, then this is how I base my view of God. 
Oh, man, I feel good about that. That must be God's will. Oh, that's really hard and difficult. It must not be God's will. Right? Sheryl Crow wrote a great song a few years ago. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, if it makes me happy, I think God must be all right with it. The second thing, the second problem with this type of belief is discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences, obstacles. These things absolutely cannot be God's will because they're hard and none of us want to go through those things. We're just saying God is so good, right? If God is so good, how could he let me go through these things? So If it causes discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences, obstacles, surely it can't be God's will. These are clear signs that I've gotten off track. The third thing, without realizing it, I begin to worship the false God of comfort, temporary pleasures, and things. And my God just becomes about making me happy. And again, a lot of us on the surface, we wouldn't say that that's what we believe, but maybe we're a little closer than we think because when we get uncomfortable or we don't have the pleasures and things that we would like, we get frustrated with God. I believe, if we believe that ultimately God wants us happy, then comfort in things actually become our God. And here's the problem with that perspective If I believe that ultimately God just wants me to be happy, then really what it comes down to is God exists to serve me. God exists to serve us. And the truth is, God doesn't exist to serve us, but we exist to serve Him. He's good. We just sang about His goodness. His goodness stands alone whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. Whether I'm comfortable or uncomfortable, it does not change his goodness. It may be a hard day, a hard season, a hard year. Things aren't going well in your finances or your family. It doesn't change God's goodness. Ultimately, we exist to serve him. But if I believe, even if I don't want to outright say it, if I believe that God's role is to make me happy, the creator of the universe, the giver of life, the redeemer of my brokenness. Essentially, what I've done is I've reduced God down to some sort of cosmic Coke machine. Right? A cosmic Coke machine that I put in the money and I push the button that I want and now that machine is obligated to give me what I have asked for. Now, that kind of seems irreverent, right, to think about God in that sort of light, that he's just a machine. I, I put my money in and give me, give me, give me what I want, God. And again, I would never outright say that, but I think maybe my life is a little closer to that than I would like to admit. Because I think when it comes down to it, for many of us, we kind of have this meshing of who God is, who Jesus is, and our cultural love for Santa Claus a little bit, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're, he knows if you've been or 
so be for goodness sake. Right? I mean, we have kind of this belief in God that he sees everything that I'm doing. Okay, so I'm going to try to be a good person. You all went to church today. Give yourselves a round of applause. All right? Some of you even moved your mouth with the song a little bit. So points from Josh. He's happy about that. You participated. Some of you are going to open up your Bibles this week and study the Word of God. And you're going to pray. And you're going to, you might even go to one of our Bible studies or small groups that we have. Points, 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 points. Right? You've done all these good things. So when you're having a bad day, if you press Dr. Pepper, God should give you a Dr. Pepper. Right? I have to tell you, I've been convicted of this because this last week and really this last several months, I've been praying for you guys and praying for our church and and fasting and believing. And God didn't do what I wanted God to do. And I got frustrated with God. And I said, "What, what am I doing this for? And I got tired of hearing people say, don't worry, brother, God's got something better. You know, that's not what I want to hear. And as I'm preparing this message... I'm really convicted. Adam, why are you praying? Why are you fasting? Why are you doing these things? Is it for me or is it because you're pressing Dr. Pepper and you want me to give you that Dr. Pepper? And I have to admit, I was convicted that even though I don't say I believe that God just wants to make me happy, I was convicted that I lived there sometimes. And really, we like, we like that Jesus clause, right? That Jesus who looks like Jesus, but at the end of the day, he's He's happy that you have done so many good things. And because you've done so many good things, he's going to bring you that shiny bike and put it under the Christmas tree, right? He's going to to bless your family. He's going to give you that raise at work. He's going to do all of these things in your life because you've been a good person. And it's, it's hard for us to believe. It's hard for us to digest a little bit that, God, I've done all these things. Why aren't you making me happy and doing what I want you to do. God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. Sometimes when I don't get what I want with God in my life, in my relationship with Him, I get frustrated with God. And that simply is because I didn't get what I wanted. And maybe I'm not the only one that's there. Maybe all of us find ourselves in that place because honestly, that's a very American view of God, give me what I want. I want you to do this in my life. And here's, here's the great tragedy in that. And I've seen this play out over and over and over again. And every single one of you have friends that have gone through this as well, is that many people walk away from the church and they walk away from God because they have this view of God. God, if I do A, B, and C, you're going to solve this problem in my life. And then God doesn't solve that problem. So they quit going to church. And they walk away from their relationship with God. I don't know how many times I've seen this scenario where I tried church and I'm still not happy. Right? I I tried religion and it didn't work in my life. I did the God thing. I still have cancer. My family is still a mess. I'm still broke. I'm even broker now than I was before. And so I'm going to give up on this God thing. 
That is the belief right there that says, God, I want you to make me happy. God, I want you to serve me. When really, we exist to serve him. Because if God didn't come through, then that means God failed. And if he failed, then what's the point in doing this? Why do we come here on Sunday mornings? Why do you get up early to spend some time in prayer or read the Bible? What's the point? Because God failed. And if God failed, then he's not much of a God at all. God just wants you to be happy. God never said that. He never expressed that in any way so much in his word. It's not that he failed. We started with the wrong presupposition. We started with the wrong view, assuming of what God would do in our lives. And that's a very dangerous place to start in our view of God. Now, I do want to throw in a side note here, now that I've filled the room with depression on who God is. (laughs) The Bible does describe God as a loving father. A loving father who loves good things for his children, just like if any of you are parents, you can identify with this. You love good things for your children, and you love when your children succeed and you see them doing well. God is a loving, heavenly father, and the Bible makes that clear. He delights in your happiness. He delights in your joy. He delights in your success. But your happiness... And your success is not God's purpose. He delights in those things, but those are not his purpose. Just to give you a little rough example here, one of my children, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of my children is a pretty decent Special Olympian, right? He, he competes in some of the Special Olympics contests, and uh, right now he's warming up for a big bowling match. So all of you watch out. I mean, literally watch out. You don't want to get hit by a bowling ball. Uh, last, last spring he competed in a track meet and he got first place. He did really, really well. Yes. And that's exactly how I felt. I was cheering for him. Go, go, go. And he, and if you know this child at all, he gets excited pretty easily. He got really excited, really excited about this victory. As a father, I am filled with joy in his victory. I am filled with joy in his success. However, if he were to turn around to the other competitors that he just smoked and give them all the bird and start talking trash to the one in the wheelchair that's still coming down, do you think for a second that his success would be my highest priority? Absolutely not. We would have a lesson that we needed to work on. Right, Because his success is not my highest priority. It brings me great joy, but it's not my highest priority. Him becoming a good man is my highest priority as a father. Right, Our Heavenly Father delights, absolutely delights in you succeeding and doing well and living in the blessings of God. But that is not his highest priority. We can fall into the trap really easily of convincing ourselves that if it makes me happy, God must be pleased with me, right? I mean, I must be walking in God's favor because I'm feeling really good right now. Or at least trying to convince ourselves, I like this so God must be okay with it because it makes me happy, right? If it makes me happy, 
Even though the Bible says not to or whatever, surely God's all right with this. We can see that play out in a million different ways, can't we? If we believe that even more than what God's word says, end of the day, he just wants us to be happy. So what is a better approach to God? It's this. God does not want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him. And in pursuing him, there will be happiness. I'm not saying happiness is bad, but happiness cannot be our pursuit. Our pursuit must be God himself. Not pursuing him for the byproduct of happiness, but pursuing him for who he is. And that makes us holy. And that is what God desires for us. He desires holiness. So I'm going to give you two reasons today that God does not want to make you happy. Again, not that he doesn't want you to be happy, but not based on these two reasons. Number one, God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Or in other words, he doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something stupid or sinful. Right? And all the guys in the room can probably say, I've done something stupid just because I thought it was going to make me happy. Right? God doesn't want us to be happy when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. First Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And we are so good at trying to justify the things that make us happy, right? I've seen over and over in my years of ministry, I've done many weddings, I've counseled with people before they get married, after they're married, and I don't know how many times I've heard, we're just not happy anymore. You know, and that's it's really sad, and that's not a condemnation against any of you here. I know this room is full of people who've been through a million different things, and I do want to add in there, abuse is never okay, and you should never put yourself in an abusive situation. But what I'm really saying is when we base things on our happiness, we put ourselves in a very dangerous place. And anything, whether we're talking marriage or anything else in life, when we justify something, just because we're not happy in a situation or we justify something because we think the other thing will make us happy, when we try to convince ourselves it must be God's will because it makes me happy, we're putting ourselves in a dangerous place. But our minds and our emotions are really good at convincing us, I, you know, I don't know if I should do this or not. I don't know if it's God's will or not. And you play that out long enough, your mind will convince you Yeah, it makes you happy. God's good with that. You should go ahead and do it. And if we still can't decide, we're going to go to some other people and be really spiritual and say, hey, would you pray with me about this? I can't decide what I'm going to do about this. You know, would you just pray for me? And you know who we're going to ask to pray for us? We're going to ask those people who will say, you know what? God just wants you to be happy. You should do that. And you know who we're going to stay away from? And I've seen it over and over and over we begin to cut off the people in our lives who are going to say, that's probably not the best idea. I don't think God wants you to do that. All of a sudden, we don't need that negativity in our lives, right? We are going to push back from that. And you know what? 
God just wants me to be happy. And we feel so warm and cozy about that inside, and we convince ourselves, yeah, do it. It doesn't matter that I can't afford it. It doesn't matter that it's probably not the wise choice or it's going to you know, affect some other people or whatever. God wants me to be happy. That's what it comes down to. That's a very dangerous place to be when we get to that point. We justify those things. Listen, just because it's funny, it doesn't make it right. Just because it feels good, it doesn't make wrong right either. Just because it makes us happy, it doesn't make it right. The truth is God wants you to be holy and he will never substitute happiness for holiness. His holiness always comes first. And in our holiness, you're going to find true joy. You're going to find true happiness. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. And the second thing here is that God doesn't want you, God doesn't want your happiness to be based on things of this world. Now, there's many things in this world that I believe that God gives to us to enjoy, to, to have within our lives, but our happiness cannot be based on those things. They cannot be the source of our happiness. Culture would tell us this. We've got an equation for you here that we'll put up uh, on the screens. Better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. Right? I mean, we can all look at that and go, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good equation right there. That seems like it would equal happiness within our lives. The problem is, all those things are based on happenings. They're all temporary. Things that happen, and then they're gone. I mean, if, if we're talking about better possessions, we all know as soon as you go get the new iPhone, the next iPhone comes out, right? You got that brand new car, but here in a year or two, they came out with another version of the car that's got better things than your car has. And better possessions, they're happenings that make us happy there in the, the moment. And those endorphins fire off. We think, yeah, I love that, but it's temporary, right? The newer thing comes along. Peaceful circumstances are fantastic, but we all know they're short term. They're, they don't live forever, right? The circumstances always change. Thrilling experiences, B.B. King already told us the thrill is gone. It's going to come and it's going to go, right? That thrill is just a moment. The right relationships are great. And hopefully we have some of those relationships that last our entire lives. But we've all got relationships in our lives that come and go in different seasons that have highs and lows. And we all have those relationships that at one time were absolutely thrilling that brought happiness to our lives. And at some point, something went haywire. And that relationship has left a scar in our lives because those are happenings. The perfect appearance, guys, let me just speak from the heart. This is not easy to do every week. Some of you need to hear that today. The price I have to pay to keep this up for you guys, it's tough. It truly is. Now, you guys know, I mean, no matter how much you work out, you go to the gym, there's somebody in better shape than you. 
No, no matter how great of an outfit you get, you show up to church and somebody else is wearing the exact same one. No matter what it is, it, it never lasts. These are all happenings. They're temporary. They're counterfeit sources of happiness. And those aren't bad things. I'm not saying it's bad to have possessions or circumstances or experiences or relationship or appearance. But though, you can have those things, but those things can't have you. They cannot be what you are pursuing because they are counterfeit sources of happiness that only last for a temporary amount of time. The world will convince you. Just watch any advertisement. That is what will make you happy. But God offers us something that is genuine and true. First John 2, 15 and 7 through 17 says this, Do not love this world, nor the things the world offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the love of the world offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what the Father does what pleases God will live forever. God wants your happiness to be based on Him and not on this world. God does not want you happy as much as God wants you blessed. Now, when I say blessed, depending on what church circles you may associate with, that may bring up a million different things for you. For, for some of you, that may just think, okay, that means more money, more stuff, Hashtag blessed, right? That's not how God describes blessed in his world. Happiness, again, is based on happenings. Blessed is based on his presence and his goodness that we sang about. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for blessed is makarios, if you want to, and I probably said that more Spanish than Greek, uh, but that's, that's the word there. Hey, Makarios. Now you'll remember that one, right? And it means this. Supremely blessed and more than happy. That is what God wants for you. More than your temporary happiness, God wants you supremely blessed and more than happy. Here's what God means by being blessed. So where it says blesses, I'm going to replace that with more than happy, but you'll see the scripture up here, Matthew 5, 3 through 11. More than happy are those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. More than happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. More than happy are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. More than happy are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. More than happy are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. More than happy are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. More than happy are those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. More than happy are those who are persecuted, for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. More than happy are you when people mock you and persecute, 
persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. That doesn't sound like a lot of happiness. But God says this is more than happiness. My deep heartfelt desire for every one of you today, and including me, is that we wouldn't approach God as the cosmic Coke machine, Jesus Claus, that's going to come and make us feel warm and cozy, but we would approach him for who he is and say, God, would you make me holy? God, I want to be blessed, not blessed with stuff, but blessed in such a way that no matter what I go through in life, I can experience the goodness of God in everything that I do. I don't know what all of you are going through today. With your family, with your jobs, with your money, with all of those things that can weigh on us so heavy. But I know this. He never promised he's going to make everything perfect. But he promised that when you're going through whatever you're going through, he is going to be with you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Again, I don't know what your circumstances are. The temporary things that bring you happiness. But I know this. We have a God who is faithful in every circumstance and situation. This last week, as I've been frustrated and I've been wrestling with God a little bit about why didn't you do this or why would you do that, I've had to remember Even though I feel frustrated, I can look back and say God was faithful then. He was faithful then. He was faithful then. Why in the world would I doubt that he's going to be faithful now? The only thing that I really have to doubt is my requests. Because God sees so much better than we see what we need in our lives. And some of you are going through circumstances. I'm sure right now that you just go, I I don't know where God is at in the midst of all of this. And I can assure you, God is with you. He is with you through the pain. Your tears are not wasted. But God is with you through every struggle, through every circumstance, because He is a good Father. As parents, for those of you who are parents, or even if you can just identify, you understand your goal is not just for your kids to be happy. If that was the goal, they would only eat Cheetos for the rest of their life, right? Your goal is that they would become the people that they're intended to become. And you know what that means. They're going to have to go through some hard circumstances. At some point in life, they're going to have their heart broken. At some point in life, they're going to fail a test. At some point in life, they may lose a job. At some point in life, they're going to have a flat on their car they have to change. And even though those circumstances are hard, as parents, we can sit back and go, good. I'm glad. I'm glad because they're going to see in the midst of all of that, that God can be good, that we can make it through any circumstance. And God looks at you and everything that you're facing. 
You're going to get through this, and he's going to be with you every step of the way. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to begin, Lord, even as the pastor of this church, by saying I need your forgiveness. Because even though I don't outright ascribe to believing, you just want to make me happy, sometimes I live that way, God. And I pray that we wouldn't be a people who would just pursue you for your handout. But Father, we would ask you to come and change our hearts, change our minds, that you would redeem and transform us, Father, as individuals, as families, as a community of faith. Father, that we would be people that have evidently been transformed by your power and your grace. Lord, none of us deserve what you gave us on the cross. But Father, there we find the ultimate blessing in you giving us what we don't deserve. You give us mercy and grace. And today, Father, we want to thank you again for the cross. And maybe there are some here even today that for the first time need to let down their their guard, surrender, ask you to be their Lord because of the cross, because of what you have done for us. Would you take a moment just in your own words? Would you speak to God? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, and allow God to speak to you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us, to take our place. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short, for where we've been selfish or greedy, for where we've made this relationship about us instead of you. Lord, would you make us a new creation? We thank you that your blood transforms us and sets us free. Lord, give us a new mindset that we would think the thoughts that you want us to think and do the things that you want us to do. Thank you for being our loving, heavenly Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.